for the fellowship of the saints, and for the light of Christ that shined in their lives. We give you thanks, O God, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. One of the things that I enjoy most about the principal feasts of the church year is that these holy days draw our attention to the things in our faith that matter the most. In tonight's reading from Revelation, we heard the one seated on the throne say, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Well, what could be more important than that? The beginning, the source, the origin of all things, all the way up to the conclusion, the consummation, the fulfillment of all things, from potential to actualization, from uncertainty to finality. Now, what comes between Alpha and Omega is what we would call existence. Everything from the Big Bang to whatever final thing happens at the end is what comes between Alpha and Omega. We might say that all of space and time fill the pages, but God as Alpha and Omega is the cover and the binding that holds it all together. God both precedes what we understand as the beginning, and God will endure beyond what will appear to be the end of all things. And because the one on the throne is the one who says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, we can say certain things about that binding that holds it all together. Because that one on the throne is none other than Jesus Christ, which tells us that love was there before it all began, and love will endure. For the love that we saw in Jesus healed the sick. It is the love that forgave sinners, the love that went all the way to the cross, the love that burst forth from the tomb, the love that now sits on the throne above all things. That love is what created all things and what shall one day redeem all things. Now, as powerful as love is, we all know that love is difficult. Jesus tells us that we are to love one another, that love is the mark of true faith. Love is not some squishy emotion. Rather, love is seen most fully on the cross. And this is why Revelation often portrays Jesus as the Lamb of God. The one on the throne is the one who, out of great love, endured pain and suffering and this is why I am so confident when I say that all shall be well. On the throne is not some capricious, exacting, or angry deity, but rather the gracious and loving God who came to us in great humility and who died to make all things new. And this newness is what Omega, the end of all things, is all about. The vision that we had in Revelation is all about newness, a new heaven, a new earth, with a new Jerusalem at the center of all things. And what is so often overlooked in this vision is the direction. It is not the faithful who are brought up or raptured anywhere to heaven. No, instead, God comes down. God always comes to us. We saw that when God came to us in Jesus, and this direction 
is also the destination of all things, the consummation of the incarnation, when God will come again to dwell with his people. This beloved community with God is the destination of all creation. But even now, in the midst of life, in this in-between time, we catch, catch glimpses of this beloved community. And it is in the lives of the saints that we see this light shine. Now in Advent, we're often used to hearing those words from the prophet Isaiah. In the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level and the rough places a plain. Then the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all people shall see it together. Well, the saints are those who are paving that way. It is the saints who spread their cloaks on the ground for the king of glory to come in. Now, when it comes to the beatific vision, that is, the vision of the kingdom coming on earth as it is in heaven, language will always fail us. Even the greatest poets cannot express the grandeur of this reign of God's mercy, peace, and love. Even our imaginations can't take us all the way there because our intellects always remain limited. The best way that we have to taste and see this good love of God is in the lives of the saints, because it is through them and their witness that this beatific glory shines. Towards the end of the reading that we had from Revelation, we heard King Jesus say, write this, for these words are trustworthy and true. And we have to be told what is trustworthy and true because so much of our society and our world is structured around not paying attention to that which is trustworthy or true. We pacify ourselves with screens. We distract ourselves with news that really isn't newsworthy. We dull our sensations with indulgences and chemicals of all sorts. We argue about second-order issues so that we don't have to pay attention to the depths of first-order concerns. But the saints are those who gave their lives in service to that which is ultimately good and true and beautiful, the gospel of Jesus Christ. In the conclusion of his Narnia series, C.S. Lewis depicts a vision of heaven in which he describes it as going further up and further in. That is, in heaven, things get more real, not less. But we tend to think of it the opposite way. We tend to think that this world is what is real and tangible and that heaven is something spiritual and amorphous. But in truth, it's just the opposite. Life in God is more real than anything that we can imagine. What we think of as existence is a mere shadow compared to the glory that is to come. Again, it is the saints who let us see more than just shadows as they reflect the light of Christ to us. In the bravery of Stephen, Alban, Perpetua, Thomas Cranmer, 
Diedrich Bonhoeffer and Oscar Romero, we see witnesses to truths so compelling that they were willing to die as martyrs. In the generosity and selflessness of Joseph of Arimathea, Francis and Claire, we see what is worth giving our lives to. In the compassion of Julian of Norwich, Constance and Teresa, we see the sort of love that can move mountains. In the creativity and the intellect of Augustine, Aquinas, Hilda, and C.S. Lewis, we see the power of God to inspire us and make all things new. In the prophecy of Moses and Martin Luther King, we see the dream of God coming into being. And this is why we are so blessed in the church to have the communion of the saints. In their lives, we are given glimpses into those things that are trustworthy and true. Through their experiences, they have seen something of the truths of God and paved the way for us to follow. In their examples of faithfulness, we are given holy work to do in preparing the way of the Lord. Instead of just puttering around and going through the motions of life, the saints show us what a life lived with purpose and meaning looks like. They are lives spent striving for a beloved community, lives testifying to the truth of God's love, lives made different in the blessed difference that Christ makes. The saints live their lives in the alpha of God's love, and they anticipated the omega of the perfection of all things in that love. And in this in-between time, the saints encourage and inspire us to keep our focus on what truly matters, the all-surpassing love of God. On all saints, we sing a song of the saints of God, who were patient, brave, and true. And it is our prayer that by God's grace, we will be one too.